I have been looking for the Pope for the past four hours. I am not kidding you. <sighs> I'm glad to be outside. It just stopped raining. And I want to record an episode of The Walk to tell you all about this hunt for Pope Francis. And no, I am not in the Vatican. I wasn't looking for him in um, uh, his residence in uh, in the, at the back of the Vatican, I was looking for him in my cupboards. In fact, I was looking for um, the Lego representation of him. I have a small custom-made Pope Francis in Lego. And I, uh, I'm very happy with that little Pope Francis. It's, it's pretty unique. Um, you can't really make it out of existing... Um, Lego figurines. I have a lot of these minifigures um, and oftentimes when I need a, a specific minifigure I'll just combine a, a head and a, a, a hair piece and um, some like the upper torso and the lower torso and because I have a lot of minifigures I can make almost any combination that you can imagine but a Pope is it's very, very difficult to uh, make out of existing Lego. So someone sent me this miniature Pope Francis a couple of years ago. And I used it in a short educational video um, about the, the Holy Year. <clears throat> uh, this was uh, a Jubilee year and I wanted to create a short explainer for people who may not be familiar with that concept and that became, I think, my first leg, ed, educational Lego video. And over the years, I've created a number of them. And since I'm in the process of uh, uh, making more short-form videos, um, I figured, well, that concept has been proven so effective uh, to explain something about the Catholic faith in a very brief format, just one minute. So it's very clickable. People will not... Uh, um, probably click on a 10-minute explainer. And then the extra incentive to click on the video is that I explain it with the use of Lego. And so I created this short video. And then after that, Pope Francis kind of was stored <laughs> in one of my cupboards. I think I created that video. I'm Actually, I'm pretty sure I created that video when I was still in my old rectory. And so we, in the meantime, we've moved all the Lego stuff into my new rectory and I still have a, a room where the built-in uh, closets are, in, are entirely filled with Lego boxes. The problem is <laughs> all that is, is nicely stored but it's also a bit difficult to access because um, especially the smaller parts I did sort them into boxes with various colors and I do have various boxes with uh, with Lego minifigures but um, in order to save money I used Chinese takeaway um, containers so here in the Netherlands when you order Chinese takeaway that's probably going to change soon because of the extra tax on plastic single-use plastic but for years and years if you would get Chinese takeaway they would put the rice or the noodles and the veggies and the meat, they would put that into these white plastic containers with a transparent lid on it. And it would just be such a staple thing. Everybody has those boxes. 
And I always save them up because, well, I don't want to add more plastic to the environment. Plus, I figured, you know, maybe in the future I can use this to freeze in my own food or store things. So I had a couple of those boxes full of uh, wheat for whenever I want to make pancakes. I have a ready-made mixture of regular uh, wheat and then um, some whole grain wheat. And, and, and you know, it's, it's a, a very useful size. Those boxes are usually like four or 500 grams, 600 grams. And so they're also very useful to store Lego parts because obviously when you sort your Lego, you're like, well, how am I going to keep that all separate? Um, and so these, these Chinese takeaway containers were perfect for that. So I have probably around 50 or 60 of them and each box contains um, a specific color or a certain type of bricks or in this case I was looking for the ones with the minifigures in them and so the problem is they do have a transparent lid those boxes so you can see what's in there but they're all stored in those cupboards and uh, they're stacked on top of each other and every box is also filled to the brim with Lego. Uh, so you have to imagine that there are about probably 10 boxes full of minifigures. But then they're all kind of mixed together. And they're stacked in, in, in these piles of boxes in a closet where I don't have much light. And I was just looking for that one box with minifigures that would have the Pope in it. And I couldn't find it. I was like, man, I cannot believe that even though I spent so much time sorting and organizing my Lego, I still can't find the Pope. Why don't I keep the Pope in a special place? I should have like a Vatican section. <laughs> I actually do have a bit of like Catholic-inspired Lego. It's not official stuff, but there is a set that um, one of my followers sent me. Uh, where you can build a mass set. So it's Father Leopold and you have an altar and a tabernacle. It's very well done, very creative. Um, and what they do is they basically... Oh, wow, is it starting to rain again? I thought we were done with the rain. Um, apparently not. It's been on and off today and I thought it was clear. At least on the radar it looked clear, but it's starting to rain again. Anyway, we'll be soon walking in the woods Hopefully the trees will shield me a bit from, from uh, too much water. So um, they, they, they just order like the specific... There are websites where you can order specific bricks. And I use them a lot when I create um, or when I recreate sets and I bought them secondhand and there are pieces missing. You can just go to a website and type in the number uh, of the of that particular brick and they will send it to you for a fee. So um, the, the, the Pope was hidden in, in there and I, I needed to find him. Uh, wait, I think I have to go right. But there is no sidewalk for pedestrians here so I always have to be careful if I cross the road. Let these cars pass first. And then I'll move to the other side. <clears throat> So, uh, <laughs> I was looking for the Pope because I wanted to create um, a, a short explainer about World Youth Day. 
this is um this is part of 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 uh, what a kind of a, a new way of creating content uh which we talked about with uh, uh the advisory council of tridio a few weeks ago and uh we agreed that I would have one day per week to create short-form content, like these short, shareable videos, uh, usually vertical videos that I can then put on YouTube and TikTok and on social, so people will hopefully um, share them around. And I was thinking this morning, this is kind of the first day that I'm, that I'm working on those short videos, how many can I produce in one day, and what should they be about, uh, and where what's the ultimate destination of those videos and so i was just looking at my more, most popular channels because that's obvious where m- most of my followers are and i decided well i'm i have one star wars channel it's my main father roderick channel i'm going to make two short videos about star wars um and then i was like well but i want them to be a bit more evergreen than just commenting on the news so i'm going to focus on explaining the Catholic faith and the tradition with the use of that particular language. And so I, I made a, or I created a script for a video about Star Wars Rebels, um, which I'm re-watching, partially re-watching, partially watching for the first time in order to prepare for the new Ahsoka series that comes out in August. And so I figured... There are probably more people uh, that are doing that right now. So having Rebels, Star Wars Rebels in the title may actually uh, help. And then I was looking for a certain themes. I'm not going to do like episode, episode reviews. That's way too much work. Plus, I don't think that there's a large audience for that. But I'm instead looking for specific themes that I can then explain or like build a bridge to where these ideas in Star Wars come from. And so the first video uh, is about uh, the the names in Star Wars Rebels. So a couple of those characters have biblical names, like Ezra, of course. And Ezra is called Bridger, which is a symbolic name because he is supposed to bridge the, the time between the prequel movies and then the original trilogy. But Ezra in the, in the Old Testament is also a, a high priest. And a priest is kind of a bridge between heaven and earth. And so I figured, you know what, I can probably do, like explain the names, the origin of the names of the main characters in Star Wars Rebels. So that was, that was an easy one. I'd already written something down a while ago. And then uh, the second video uh, wrote a script about the Inquisitors. And we're introduced to these Inquisitors in the first season of Star Wars Rebels. Uh, and the main villain of uh, Star Wars Rebels is uh, it's called the Grand Inquisitor. And he's a, a very menacing-looking alien um, with red lightsabers. And they are basically a group of former Jedi, or at least Force-sensitive people, that are sent by the Emperor and Vader to go kill the remaining Jedi. After Order 66, um, the, the clone troopers turned to... Um, or were like reprogrammed uh, or uh, some programming in their minds was activated by Order 66 and so they started to hunt down the Jedi so the Emperor of course was very afraid of the Jedi and what they stood for and the Inquisitors was kind of like a special 
a team of extremely powerful uh, dark force users um, that were then hunting down these Jedi. And so, obviously, <laughs> um, that is inspired by the Inquisition. In, in, inquirere in Latin means to seek or to inquire, and uh, the Inquisition uh, was... Um, it's not just one. Everybody thinks of the Spanish Inquisition from the Monty Python series. You know, nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. But in fact, in fact, Inquisition was a uh, were institutions. You had them in, in a lot of countries, uh, and their work begins in the 13th century and extends all the way to the 19th century. And these <clears throat> these groups were usually. Um, uh, clerics and theologians, and later the Dominicans and the Franciscans, and they were uh, uh, their task was to to combat whatever would would uh, menace the unity of the Catholic Church and the doctrine of the Catholic Church, and so they were going after the the heretics, the people that would profess heresies, and they've got a very bad rep. Um, although, if you do a bit of research, you see that it's actually the real Inquisition had many different forms, many different uh, styles. And <clears throat> but in some cases, they used torture to force people to confess that they um, didn't adhere to the doctrines of the church. And uh, uh, but in, in general, it was much milder than that. However, the, it's, of course, how, how do we, re- we remember the Inquisition? It's always like this incredible, menacing, evil force inside the Catholic Church that went after the, the, the rebels, you know, the heretics, people that wanted to have their own opinion instead of believing what the Church told them to believe. Uh, and so you have that kind of slightly simplified or very simplified version of the Inquisition that was used, I think, as a... Um, as an inspiration for these inquisitors in Star Wars. And instead of going after the heretics, they are going after the Jedi, who, of course, in the perspective of the emperor, were just as much a threat to the unity of his empire and went against his doctrine. So that's a very you know, interesting, um, interesting comparison. And I figured, you know, I can do a short video about, about the connection between these two. So um, I had written those two early this morning, and then I went on to the next channel that is just currently growing quite fast, and that is my anime channel. And uh, it's been poof, more than half a year since I made my last video about anime. And I think it's time I kind of found new energy and new interest to create new content there, and I decided to go back to the topic that was proved to be very popular um, for for the duration of the channel it's not it's not been this very topical thing it's not in the news very much but it is like evergreen content about a very famous anime series about angels and humans fighting each other in the form of big robots it sounds really weird but uh, believe me there is a lot of a religious symbolism in there and imagery and so <laughs> I, I created a number of videos explaining what the background was of all that imagery and that proved to be um, a unique value proposition because there are an in- there's an incredible amount of people that are interested in anime. In fact, if I compare it with Star Wars, I did a search the other day. Um, I think it was in Google Trends or maybe some other service. And 
because I was curious what would have the bigger audience, anime or Star Wars, you, I, I would think Star Wars because it's like very much in the news. And it turns out these anime search terms reach maybe a hundred times more people than Star Wars search terms. Which then, again, made me think, well, that then is a very interesting uh, uh, subject matter for me to specialize in because this is how I can reach even more people than just with Star Wars. And so I went back to that story about the um, these, these robotic angels, etc. And I, I wrote two scripts about the apocalyptic themes in, um, in one of those episodes. Uh, and that actually, you think it's, it's just a script for a one-minute video. And so you, you think that that only takes, you know, an hour maybe? It is so hard. It's much more easy for me to write like three pages about these topics than to, to make something that is, that is concise that really tells what I want to share, but also keeps people interested. So every sentence almost has to be perfect, has to be chiseled in such a way that it propels you forward. So you keep watching because the, the audience retention, as they call it, is very important for the success of those videos. But it's good exercise, and I'm giving myself also some time to figure this out and to get back into the... Into the saddle when it comes to creating this short form content and it's a lot of fun because I do some research I'm googling I'm I'm using Bing quite a bit um, because Bing is now AI powered and so I can just ask a question and it will gather information from various websites and then it will give me a summary like a spoken and written summary of that information which is, saves me so much time compared to <clears throat> what search engines normally would do and that is just to give me a a list of links and then I have to click on the link and read through that entire website to find that specific piece of information that I was looking for. So anyway, it's it's a fun process. I'll just continue here across the the path for the horses in the bike lane and continue in the woods. Well, it's warmer than I thought it would be. It's of course with all the rains it's become very humid. I'm going to take off my raincoat here for a second because this is a very cheap polyester raincoat. <laughs> and it's super lightweight. I bought it for when I'm running in the rain. But it, has, it doesn't breathe. Oh, that's better. Oh, that really lowers my <laughs> overall temperature with a couple of degrees already. Anyway, so... Um, what was I saying? So I was, I was writing those scripts, and I'm, I'm very happy with the result. I think uh, um, with these one-minute videos, I can appeal to, uh, to a lot of anime fans. And at the same time, uh, all these videos are, <clears throat> are, are explaining something about the faith. And I feel that that is a dimension that makes my content unique. Because there are not that many priests commenting on Star Wars and on, uh, on anime and then connecting that with theology and faith. So I'd written those four scripts, and then I, I thought, well, you know, Lego is still such a favorite language for me to use when I'm educating people or trying to reach a large audience. 
And as I shared with you um, in one of the previous episodes of The Walk, I, I was thinking of doing a faith-related question and explaining it in a one-minute video using Lego. And so I, I was racking my brain, well, what can I talk about? I can take any... I mean, there are millions of questions, of course, that I could uh, uh, illustrate with Lego and explain, but is there something a bit topical, something that's in the news, and I immediately thought of the World Youth Days. Yeah, sure, I, I guess it, people may have heard of World Youth Days, but I can give some, some facts and, and uh, share a bit about the origin of World Youth Days and the purpose of it, and then I can use that little Lego Pope. So that is why I was searching for the Pope. And uh, what's what struck me was I couldn't find it anywhere. It's just one of those days where, um, and I'm sure that I'm not the only one, where I keep searching and searching and searching for everything. It's not just Lego, but I was looking for my glasses. I was I couldn't find my phone this morning, and I, I I'm normally I have my routine, so I put my phone always at the same in the same place, and uh, and then, so it's charging next to my Apple Watch. And my keys and my glasses are always in the same location. And I do that on purpose because I know that there are days when I have... I struggle with brain fog and then I rely on those routines to find stuff that I, that is, that I need every day. But this morning, my phone was not in its usual place. I was looking for the phone and then I was looking for the microphones because I wanted to record the shorts on my old Asus uh, phone, or Asus phone, uh, since the, the Apple, uh, the iPhone uh, 10 that I currently use while I'm waiting for the new iPhone 15 to come out. By the way, it's looking really good. Uh, there are some leaks that indicate that indeed what I hoped would happen is definitely gonna happen. The new iPhone is going to have a USB-C port uh, and um, uh, probably a slightly bigger battery, and then, oh, wait, this path is blocked. Uh, am I going to continue? Because these, it's blocked by this prickly plant on the left and then a regular tree on the right, and both are soaking wet. Ew, 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 ew. okay. Blah. Just using my raincoat to push away the, the branches. <laughs> Um, so the, yeah, but, but I'm still using the iPhone uh, 10 and I, I love it. I really, uh, love the integration of the Apple ecosystem. So, um, I, I don't use my, uh, my Android phone that much anymore, but for filming, it's still superior. It has much better cameras than the iPhone 10. And so, uh, for the, to film the short the vertical content, I always use the phone, which is much easier than using uh, uh, the Canon, um, uh, the, 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 like the professional cameras, because um, I also need a teleprompter app. So it, <laughs> when, I, when I record these one-minute videos, every word counts. So I cannot improvise them. It's not like a podcast where I just walk and... I, uh, I, I just come up with stuff while I'm walking. Well, I'm, there's so many spider webs here in the woods all of a sudden. By the, every five meters I get 
my head is in, entangled in the spider web. Okay, where am I? This is a road. I don't like this. I didn't expect to leave the woods here. I'm going to walk back a little bit and then there should be uh, a path to the right because I don't like walking here on this busy road or usually can be very busy because again, no sidewalks here, just a short, a small lane for bikes. But anyway, I'm always a bit wary that people are not paying attention because this is kind of not a, not a highway, but sometimes people are just not paying attention to what's on the road. And as a pedestrian, you're very vulnerable, so I like to go off this road as soon as I can. Um, so in order to film with the Android phone, um, I need a microphone. <laughs> and this is just one of those like chain, chains of causality where... Uh, so I need the phone to film in vertical uh, mode and to be able to use an app that will scroll the text in front of me so I can just read it from the teleprompter. That is necessary so I stay exactly within one minute. I have to stay within one minute because otherwise I cannot upload it as a YouTube short because those are limited to exactly one minute. If it's two seconds longer, it won't work anymore. But the issue is that uh, the microphone that I always used for the Android phone uh, no longer connects to it. I think there's something wrong with the plug or maybe it's the receiving end on the phone that is broken, but the only way I can record good quality audio is by using um, this road uh, set. Here's another car. Thankfully he saw me. He moved out of the way. He was speeding towards me. Um, So I have a road remote uh, microphone or like a lavalier set. But then I (laughs) I could only find the transmitter, so the microphones, but I couldn't find the receiver, which is a, like a tiny little black, everything is black in my house, a black square. And I knew that I, since I haven't used it for months, it needed to be charged and I couldn't find it anywhere. I was looking everywhere. This was before I went hunting for the Pope. And I just told myself, this is one of those days that I need like St. Anthony on a retainer. <laughs> I need some divine help because I, I don't know where I put stuff. I ultimately ended up finding the receiver because it was on top of the camera that I use for streaming, which is, of course, something I never uh, check out because I don't actually use the microphone on the camera for streaming. I use my roadcaster for the, for the audio. But it's just one of those things. After an hour, I finally... And this is all... You know, the, the, the issue is... All the other stuff has to wait until I have the the, the the material equipment that I need. And and if I want to create a Lego video, I must find the Pope. Otherwise, I don't have a video. So it's it's so frustrating. But I finally found it. Um, and then and then the whole search for the Pope began. And you know what was so interesting about this whole process of seeking and ultimately finding. I was able to find the Pope uh, is that in 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 the past this would have created a total meltdown 
Um, and this is probably not what most people would would think would happen because you know um, me as usually you know calm and and uh, pleasant hopefully <laughs> oftentimes in a good mood sometimes maybe a bit somber but definitely not the uh, hot-headed angry stressed out guy who yells at himself well I used to be that guy I actually uh, think that for most of my younger years um, I was very temperamental and 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 that's probably a misnomer for basically stressed out, angry, out of control. Um, and, and this was most, um, I think it was the strongest when I was a teenager. So in the, between the age of 12 and, and then uh, somewhere in my 20s. I, I rem- remember so often that I would have meltdowns, especially when I when I couldn't find anything or if something went wrong or I, I was uh, running late for something. And as a teenager, I felt that life was extremely stressful. There was every day there was this race against the clock to bike, what is it, nine and a half kilometers to, um, to school. And since uh, I, I, I always... Uh, was, was, was going to bed very late because I loved reading and I listened to the radio. Um, I always woke up too late and then uh, I had to, to, like the entire bike ride to school was, was a battle against the wind because I had to uh, ride over um, through the, the Dutch countryside and if, since everything is flat and there are no buildings... The wind sometimes would it would be very strong, and I would I remember just yelling at the wind like "Come on, come on!" <laughs> and then uh, there was the additional stress every single day of school, and just what I perceived to be um, the pressures of having to be not just um, okay in school, but I always felt that I had to be the best i have to had to have, have perfect notes a perfect uh who is this? Well, there must be people searching for their dog here in the woods um anyway uh so, so i i for me the the especially uh high school was incredibly competitive and and that would put so much pressure also on like you would I would not only have to rush to school to be in time. Oh, here's the dog and its owner. I think they're training him. Yep, she's still training him. Hello. <laughs> so the dog is like looking at me. I want to play with the owners. Like, oh, they're both. Oh, they're looking for another dog. <laughs> so there's one dog. Yeah. I think one dog escaped, and they don't know where he is. That's why they are yelling. I was like, what is, what is going on? Well, these people actually, their behavior reminds me of, of uh, what I was just talking about. Like this stressful, like speaking, they, they both are very stressed, of course, because they don't know where the dog is. So they're yelling at each other as well. Oh, but you take care of the dog. Well, no, no, no. The other dog is, look at the other dog. He's running away. Ah, oh, Stress. Stress, stress was so much um, 
Now the other dog is going to you know, is also stressed out, of course, by the yelling of its owner. So now the dog is starting to to bark. This is what often happens with stress. It's contagious, and if you are stressful, it it will also stress out people around you. And the same is true for what often uh, is is a side effect of stress, and that is anger, because you feel powerless to get things under control, and then <clears throat> this is where where people start to lash out at other people. At the circumstances, at the wind on the bike, like I hate the wind, I hate this weather. Why do I live in the Netherlands? I hate this country. <laughs> uh, and then, or 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 towards yourself, which was like I did all of that. I was angry at everything, and I think I always thought it was just my character to be hot-headed and to be always stressed, and I would especially blame myself. A lot for, you know, why didn't I wake up earlier? Why, why did I stay up late reading? Why didn't I do this? Why didn't I prepare better for this test, etc., etc.? So there was stress before, and there was stress during whatever um, test, uh, either in school or or being tested by the adversities of the Dutch weather. Um, and there would be stress after, because then I would be mad at myself for being mad at myself. And this um, extremely stressful behavior, always thought it's it's just it's just how I'm wired, uh, and I hated that too. I was mad at, you know, why why am I so stressed? Why can't I be more in control? And I had friends in school that were like, that they were impossible to perturb. They were always calm and friendly, and I was like, why can't I be like them? How things have changed. It's it's been years since I felt that kind of of stress and those heart palpitations, and that especially that raging anger at everything and and especially at myself. I feel like a lot of that is now under control. And so when I was looking for the first my phone and then for that receiver for the microphones and then after that for the pope i i am absolutely certain that in any other time of my life i would have had a massive meltdown um but not today not today uh, i i i was just you know observing that i couldn't find it instead of blaming myself i just took notice of the fact that, well, I cannot record that video until I find the, first of all, the phone, and then the microphone, and then the Pope. So what are you going to do? I'm just going to give myself some extra time to look for this. And if I still can't find it after an hour or so, I'll just go for a walk. I'll record the walk, and maybe I'll sit down and report the, an episode of the break a bit earlier. And then you know, sometimes the day after, I'll find it right away. Sometimes it's just brain fog. So, but the whole, this whole, what I just verbalized, that's the kind of self-talk that I think I've learned relatively recently in my life to approach um, situations where you feel like you're not in control. Um, but 
but this is this is definitely something that has improved my life uh, tremendously, as you can imagine. All right, where am I going to walk next? I see the highway over there in the distance. So here is a path that goes to the left that ends up back in the village. I don't want to go there yet, so I'm just going to continue in the direction of the highway. This is also, by the way, my my daily exercise. <laughs> I am obsessed uh, with closing my activity rings on the phone. And even though, uh, even though my feet are still not entirely healed yet, I'm walking in the woods um, uh, every day since I feel like I have to keep moving. Uh, it's it's uh, it's already. I'm so happy that I didn't go uh, to uh, to walk the, the the walk of the world. Um, I don't think I could have pulled off 160 kilometers in four days. Today's day two. I have some friends that are walking the uh, in in that event, but uh, so I see their updates. I kind of miss the social aspect of it, but I certainly don't miss the physical exercise. And I think I, I I'm. I finally listened to myself. That's another thing that I've learned uh, is to really trust my gut. And um, of course, I want to do much more than I sometimes can. And it's much wiser to just skip it, let it go and try another time. And so, but this whole laid back attitude um, is so different from how I thought I was wired. And nobody ever taught me that it was possible to get your big emotions under control. And I've been doing quite a bit of thinking about well, how, how did I turn into this super hot-headed, stressed-out, always angry guy? Um, and what helped me to change that? And that's, that's what I wanted to share with you. Um, and the first, the first thing I... I, f- I feel I need to mention is that uh, this, this behavior, this constant stress and this uh, lashing out whenever the stress became too, too overwhelming uh, was not just me. In fact, uh, my father was very much like that as well. And this is probably why, for years, I thought it's just how I'm wired. It's just genetics, you know. I'm just like my dad, and it's not something that I <laughs> that I liked. I I, I I hated it when my father would uh, be in in uh, in a state of stress, and he would start yelling at everyone, and would be extremely violent. Um, but I think that one of the contributing factors of me having that that behavior is that. I just copied what I saw my parents do. And it's not just like I decide to be like my father because I also want to yell at people and be angry and stressed all the time. It's because I think that stress and anger comes from the lack of coping mechanisms. And my father, I I don't think that he ever learned to be in control in moments of stress. He never learned how to avoid stress in his life. And I'm thinking that it's probably also because his parents didn't know how to do that. And uh, 
I, I have memories of my grandparents as being very kind, and uh, uh, I love to stay there in the summer uh, holiday, and uh, it was just a grandfather-grandchildren type of relationship. But later on, uh, I heard stories about my grandparents being extremely um, short-tempered, and uh, their marriage was very... Uh, explosive let's put it that way i mean they they were catholic and so they they the idea of of a divorce probably never crossed their minds but they hated each other's guts <laughs> very often and they would yell at each other and they would be get violent they would just physically get violent i heard stories from my aunts that they would throw stuff at, at each other and my especially my grandfather was a very imposing man very much like at least I remember him as this almost like this Corleone type of boss who, who, who was very menacing and, and uh, well, there were moments, of course, since we were children that sometimes we'd, we would do something that was not allowed and he would become so mad and we would be so afraid because he would turn into someone totally different from the nice, gentle, funny grandfather that we were used to and so the more I heard those stories the more I started to realize well my dad just never learned how to cope with his stress and with his anger and the the thing is stress and anger are always a reaction to their symptom of a situation and it's um, the, the, this kind of behavior often is judged very negatively by the people around you, obviously. Because people suffer if you lose your temper, if you're constantly stressed. You're not fun to be with. And, and other people may actually become the target of your anger. Think of Anakin Skywalker and then his anger problems. Uh, and his inability to express himself other than with violence and think of how that hurt millions of people in, in the Star Wars galaxy. Now that's just a story but I think we can all relate to it because we know that anger um, usually has a lot of victims not just a person who's angry. Uh, so the there is always I, I remember that when I would go to confession uh, I would I would always uh, confess that I, I'd, I'd lost my temper and I I was angry and mad and I felt super guilty about that the thing is it it was immediately brought into a moral context of of sin and not being uh, good enough and uh, the thing is I believe that I was uh, what I actually needed was not just forgiveness, but it was guidance. And unfortunately, in the way that the Catholic Church is uh, structured in the Netherlands, and the, the, just the total absence, basically, of any, um, let's say, regular form of confession, uh, a, a lot of priests that maybe will hear confessions from time to time, they don't know how to guide people. It's because it's not in their system. They have never learned uh, that that confession is not just about 
uh, settling scores and, and even it out and, and doing penance, but it's also a sacrament meant to help you and to guide you. There's a lot of noise coming from that highway here on my, on my right, but I am seeing the entrance to the tunnel here at the end of this, uh, this hill. So I'm walking down to it and then hopefully things will get a bit quieter again. And it's, it's very rare, especially in those early years, when I sometimes had to travel to another city to find a priest uh, that would hear confessions. Because most priests didn't. Um, I think that, that what m- totally was missing in my formation, even as a young priest, or as a, as a seminarian later on in my early years as a priest, was spiritual guidance. And not just spiritual guidance in the sense that, oh, let me teach you how to pray. <laughs> but guidance in a much broader way. I'm, as a young priest, you still have so much to learn. And a lot of the insight that I, I think I could have benefited from in, in my 20s and in my 30s, I only found it just recently in my 50s. It's, it's, it's insane. I could have had a much better life and probably would have been much more useful for the church if I had learned these things much earlier in life. But better late than never. So I'm, I'm not complaining about that. It's just that, wow, I, I so wish that we could do a better job here in, in helping people. Uh, this is a p- part of the reasons why I, I do this. I record the walk because... It's, it's one of the ways in which I can pass on what I've discovered, and I hope that it helps some of you uh, at, at times in your life. But anyway, so the um, anger and stress are symptoms of um, something much more fundamental that is out of balance. And I think if I, if I had to summarize it, I would say it is the, the chasm that we create because nobody does this to us I, I stop thinking in terms of you know I'm a victim of external circumstances you have to embrace whatever life throws at you that's part of the art of living but um, it's this mismatch between reality and what you think your life should be or what reality should be so it's the it, and sometimes that can be uh, an, a tremendous force. Sometimes you see a situation where you feel like, but I don't, I need to improve this, or I want to improve myself. Uh, example, in my early years as a priest, I was incredibly out of shape. I was overweight. I lived a very unhealthy kind of couch potato lifestyle. Those early years were dripping with stress. Because again, I, I felt that my parish, uh, my, my life as a priest and, and the parish, they didn't correspond to what I thought needed to happen and needed to be. And I felt that I wasn't the priest that I was supposed to be. And so, um, all right, I'm now out of the tunnel and let's walk, let's continue walking in this park here away from the, from the traffic. More dogs. <laughs> that white dog is a red ball he gets to get into. Hello. 
is to get into the car, but he doesn't want to because he's got the, the ball. And he's like, what? I'm playing here. Can't you see that? <laughs> um, so this, this, it's, it's this mismatch between what reality throws at you and what you think is necessary. And then there's nothing wrong with idealism. And I think that one of the propelling factors in life can be to have a dream, to have an ideal, and also from time to time to challenge yourself, provided that that dream is, is what you should do. This is where discernment is so important. Um, is it really your dream? Is it really your vocation? Or do you impose burdens on yourself because it is something that other people have told you you should be? That is where, in my case, things went wrong. I think part of my education, both in school and at home, um, missed, I think, that aspect of uh, you are fundamentally good enough. You are loved regardless of, um, of what you do. You're, you're loved because of who you are. And it doesn't matter who you are. <laughs> it, that, that doesn't affect uh, the love. So love and appreciation, I think, in my younger years, was very often conditional. You get praised if you are the ideal son. You are praised if you are the perfect priest who knows everything, <laughs> who doesn't stumble, doesn't falter, who always does exactly what people expect. You are only a good priest if you're extremely loyal, almost obedient in a military fashion to your superiors. You are only good enough if you wake up every morning in time and you are in the chapel in time and you pray, you say your prayers and you're exactly the kind of priest that the president of the seminary wants seminarians to, to be. And if, so if your ideal, hey, it's a little doggy there. Hello. <laughs> tiny dog but going running really fast um, the uh, if so if the dream if the ideal that you hold yourself um, as a that you get you maintain as, as, as the norm to be good enough even for yourself if that is not really your vocation or your true destiny, then then things go wrong. This is this is, I think, what what the what was the big issue um, in in the first part of my life. Uh, I felt that that I had to um, that I have to, had to reach an impossible standard. And um, I, I remember a few traumatic experiences, especially in primary school, when. Uh, the head of the school uh, was was very stern with me and said that if I wouldn't get better notes and 
I was actually not a bad student at all, but he was just looking for an excuse to, to um, I think, to humiliate me. What I, I think what he wanted to do was to teach me a lesson, you know, to let me know my place, and he was using whatever excuse to do that. And in this case, it was because I wasn't good at math and my handwriting was terrible. Still is. Both these things are just... Uh, I, I'm, I've never been good at, at math and... Uh, like abstract stuff and, and my handwriting is still terrible and then but he, he scared me that I would have to uh, do, you know do the year again um, so I would fall behind and anyway I've, I rem- still remember exactly where I was when he was um, telling me that and, and it made such an impact because it was a repetition of what I heard at home uh, where uh, especially when my father would get angry, when he was stressed and out of control, he would yell at us for anything. And it would be so disproportionate. And we were, we were, we, I, I remember so often, just, I would just run to my, to my room, I would lock the door and I would sit there and feeling totally miserable and unloved. And, and then later on, we would never talk about it anymore. So my father would probably realize that he'd gone too far and but instead of apologizing or explaining why he was reacting like that it was just basically as if it never happened um my mother had a very different strategy i think when it comes to these situations she would always um uh try to justify what happened and explain it away yeah your father is working so hard and uh He's under a lot of pressure and stress. And then, of course, if you are uh, making too much noise, then he gets upset. So basically it was victim-blaming, I think, what happened. It's like it was our fault. We should have behaved better, and, and then our father wouldn't get angry. But that's, of course, not true. And what it also didn't really help with was to understand why people get angry and why stress exists. And sometimes it is justified that someone gets angry if there is an obvious transgression i'm not like uh, saying that that education should be entirely uh how would you say that 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 you you can't that there aren't consequences for certain behavior but it's about proportionality and i don't think that that was there and so uh, I've, i've grown up thinking that well i was probably to blame for whenever people would get angry and then I would that that I think um, helped it, it generated a, cer- a certain type of self-talk that was extremely negative where um, I, I would always ta- tell myself well in order to prevent rejection whether it is at home or in school I have to make sure that I am the best that, that nobody can say anything about what I do. That I have everything under control. And it's unbelievable how deep the consequences of that self-talk go. Like one, one of the things that, um, that changed in my behavior that as a child, as most children <laughs> do, my room was always a mess. And uh, I'd be very chaotic. I was... Super creative, but not very systematic. Um, 
and my dad was had a, this this strange habit of like in his room there was always a lot of stuff where where he would work but it was always arranged in a certain way so he would have like five or six pens to write with which of course is a little bit strange you know one would suffice but instead of getting rid of the extra pens he would just uh, place them neatly next to to one another and uh, these I think in hindsight that that was for him a, a way almost uh, kind of a, a subconscious therapeutic uh, or coping mechanism it's it's to to get a grip on things he would just order them he could get so obsessed if, if something would break even if it was a radio or something that he had no um, knowledge of how to repair it or the computer would later on when he, he would have a uh, an old laptop and he would run Linux on it instead of buying a <laughs> a regular computer he would he was just like no I have to repair this thing and then so he would spend days and days researching websites on how to install certain Linux Linux stuff and I was like why I think he needed that to to uh, feel that he was in control of things because that, that was one of the issues that he struggled with is not being in control not being in control of his own behavior uh, my dad has had a lot of issues with uh, uh, dependency on uh, no I won't go into too many details but you get the gist uh, and, and I think because there were so many things out of his control and um, he he too uh, was was I think trying to compensate for that by a working day and night, and that that was always portrayed by my mother as being a virtue. Oh wow, I'm here. Ah, I ended up here and near the castle, this beautiful villa uh, behind that lake there. It's so gorgeous, and this is this path leads to the farm, the former farm, because now it's a like a community center. This is where I ran a half marathon in February of this year. <laughs> That's weird. It feels feels like years ago. Um, this is very, very nice. Anyway, um, so uh, he would work really, really hard. And um, I think the, the fact that he would, would work so hard was also a way to escape times where just to think and not just think about his work but think about himself and about life and about us and instead it was always uh, there was always too much work there was no he couldn't my, my dad couldn't relax I don't think he could he was unable to enjoy just simple things he was always you've always felt the need I think to be useful and to be productive and I totally emulated that behavior and since nobody taught me how to handle big emotions and we didn't talk about big emotions um, I, I started to emulate the same kind of reaction patterns where if stress first of all I would overload my life with all sorts of unnecessary ambitions uh, like I, I couldn't I could be really mad at myself if uh, for a test in English I would only get an 8 out of 10 
because there would always be this girl in, in my class and she would have a 9 out of 10. And I was like, girl, I should have had that <laughs> note, you know. Why didn't I get a 10 out of 10? Come on, you're lazy. And I, I remember that, <clears throat> the, the, especially the, the judging myself, this is something that even continued uh, for years in, in the, when I was already a priest. I would constantly berate myself. Of course, I live alone. I, um, I have a tendency to always kind of vocalize my thoughts. So I, I talk to myself. It was also one of my strategies to, to master languages. So I would speak French to myself or Italian when I was in Rome. Um, so it's, it's this constant training to, for, for, to formulate my thoughts. But the downside is I would also yell at myself like oh come on how can especially because since i was um so overloading my schedule and i didn't take uh time to rest i didn't take time off because every time i would uh, take time for myself i would feel guilty again it's part of how i was raised you you your life doesn't belong to you you have to be useful you have to sacrifice yourself you have to whatever you know you cannot be egotistical. That was the big mantra of my mom. You cannot be egotistical. You always have to think about others. So we were basically, the norm was Mother Teresa. And I think that's also how she saw herself. As, you know, that's, that's her model. She needed to be Mother Teresa. But, so, but everybody else, everyone else should also uh, correspond to that norm. So my mom, I think in a certain way, had struggled with the same like challenges that she inherited from her parents, from her mother, who was extremely strict and, um, and unpleasant, I think. Um, and my dad, the same thing with his parents. I don't know all the details about their education and how they were raised, but I'm not surprised if that is like the, the source of, of their own dysfunctional behavior, and which that they then transmitted on me or on us as children. And now we struggle with it, or struggled with it, because I, I think I can say that this is in the past for me. <laughs> but um, this, this idea that I couldn't take time for myself, so I, I totally never listened to my body. This is why I was so unhealthy. I, I just ate junk food, and I wouldn't sleep enough. And because, of course, I was living such an unbalanced life, uh, and then felt that I had to be the perfect priest... And do and, and 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 everybody needed to be happy with me. <laughs> um, that of course totally derailed me, and I I got sick and I got overworked and uh, I, I was uh, struggling with a burnout for more than half a year. And I think it all comes down to this idea that my image of who I felt I needed to be. And what I felt the world and the parish and the church should be did not correspond to the reality. And instead of changing my own attitude and recalibrating the expectations, I just raged and I got stressed. And it, because there was this ongoing tension in me that I, I just wasn't what I was supposed to be. And so it's, it's rage and it's anger, stress and guilt incredible guilt and self-blame that I wasn't doing a good job. And so, thereby proving what I already felt, I'm not good enough. 
I will only be good enough, I will only be appreciated when, uh, when I'm perfect. And which, of course, is... And then you, what is the only way to get perfect if you're not? Well, confession. So the whole confession thing. I, I remember that several priests told me um, that I was so scrupulous, so incredibly scrupulous. And I, I didn't connect the dots back then. But they said, you don't have to mention every single second of, of their, your life where, where, <laughs> where you feel you didn't do a good job. Uh, just give us kind of the, the main gist. And I couldn't. I felt like, no, I have to confess every single thing because otherwise I'm, I'm not good enough. You know, I'm, I will not be forgiven. And it's so much now, in hindsight, I'm thinking it's so obvious where that comes from. That scrupulous behavior was, was because this is how I was looking at myself everything should be under control and still sometimes I, I do have some residual habits that stem from there uh, for instance I like my house to be very tidy you may remember if you're listening to this show for a longer time when I was staying with Father Henry in his rectory Father Henry is <laughs> the opposite of me it was always very chaotic and out of control and messy and stuff would be broken and I couldn't stand it I was like come on <laughs> this is this is kind of part of and, and now in my own rectory I feel like I'm so much more under control but if I still cannot find that Lego figurine or my glasses or my phone or my microphone I've learned to step away from those big feelings even before they turn big, I just step aside and I observe. And the trick that I use is I tell myself out loud, I notice that I am feeling strong feelings of uh, discontent because the reality doesn't match my expectations. And by Stepping back and objectivizing, just observing these feelings, I then give myself more room to not become one with that feeling, not to act immediately, viscerally on, on those feelings, but to make a more deliberate choice. And another thing that I've learned is whenever I do, because this is obviously something that you need a bit of, of calmness and, and also a training to do this every time you feel strong feelings and this is not just when I'm when there is an, a, an opportunity for stress um, I also do this when for instance there are days when I'm just not feeling well uh, I, I just I'm tired or I'm a bit somber or I'm sad and sometimes there's a reason sometimes there's not and I I've learned to just observe that it's like hey this is interesting today I like it's the end of the day and I'm feeling so somber and I'm getting all these negative thoughts or I don't know I, I'm, I'm, I'm very uh, pessimistic all of a sudden alright what am I going to do with that and then the question I always ask well, well if I choose to go along with those feelings is that really helpful is that going to change anything if I, if I am angry or stressed sometimes I just catch myself when I'm like running after a train and almost missing, and it's like, okay, but why are you so stressed? Is this helpful? Maybe it's much more helpful to just wait for the next train, you know? 
what's the problem? Why, why do you need to catch this one? And then, and then I just stop myself. So it's always this like, okay, hold on. What is useful in this situation? What is helpful? And going along with strong emotions is almost never helpful. And so it's, it's, um, that, that was the big trick that I discovered. Is, um, f- first of all, uh, you are not your feelings. You don't have to go along with your feelings. You have a will so you can uh, observe and then decide what you're going to do. So you just delay. This is also what I do towards other people. And sometimes uh, you may remember that uh, uh, two weeks ago I had this confrontation with a parishioner who was very angry at me because of something I said in the homily. And I applied this. I applied it. It's like, okay, I feel feelings of that I, this is not just and I feel that uh, I'm mis, mis, misrepresented here. Um, and pe- this per- person is taking things out of context. Um, is it helpful to get mad at this person? No. Is it helpful to try to change his mind? No. It's probably not going to... He's already made up his mind. So, I'm just going to channel back what he says, and that's it. I'm going to stop at that, and then at one point we just ended the conversation. And afterwards I was very proud. of was like, wow... See, I've, I've learned this. <laughs> and, and I still had to process it. And I was still thinking a lot about it in the next couple of days. But every time it was the same thought. It's like, I, I, ha- I cannot control what this parishioner thinks or how he reacts. I cannot control what triggers him. The only thing that I can do is to just accept the situation. Um, make sure that it doesn't get to me. Because in conscience, I think that I did nothing wrong. And we'll just leave it at that. And that it took some time. I'm not saying that this is a very easy process. But it does help me to, um, to get relatively quick, um, to step away relatively quickly from those negative feelings of self-doubt. Because, of course, that was immediately... Something I thought, oh, but I'm, maybe I did mess it up. Maybe I did say something wrong. And it's like, so I, I just took a look. Something bit me here, my knee, or under my knee. Ouch. Hope it's not a tick from walking in the woods. I'll check when I get back home. Anyway, so it's these strategies. And then the other thing is, of course, to constantly check with whatever I impose upon myself... Is this really important? Is this really something I want? Or am I now trying to be someone I'm not called to be? Am I trying to do something that is actually, in the big scale of things, not that important? And that's, so that's also taking a step back from what you, from what you formulate as, as the dream or what the world should be. And then just say, well, huh. Maybe that would be that would be nice, but the reality is, eh, I, I cannot find that Lego Pope, and I cannot. Well, I won't be able to finish that uh, short video. Um, it's not the end of the world, not at all. So let's just step back. Let's go out, and um, it's too late now to uh, to create those short videos. So I'll just record an episode of the walk and talk to you about these experiences and the things that I've learned. So that, I think, summarizes... Let me see, where are we? Yeah, we need to wrap things up. That, that um, 
that is the gist of what I wanted to share with you today. So thank you so much. Hopefully this was helpful. And of course, if you want to uh, talk a bit more about big emotions and strategies on how to get things under control in your life, um, we're always welcome to uh, talk about it with the community on Patreon. And if you would like to get access to the Discord server, um, I invite you to, uh, to become a patron. Just go to patreon.com slash Father Roderick. And, uh, and then um, hopefully you'll, uh, you'll join the community. Thank you so much for your time and we'll talk soon. God bless.